Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Prideofdetroit.com for all of your Detroit Lions needs. Sorry, I was dealing with some Twitch issues. There we go. We're back at it. Uh, my name is Jeremy Rison. I am the interim coach is what uh, Chris Perfett wants me to call myself now. So that's what we're going to go with. Interim coach. Uh, you can find me at Detroit online on Twitter uh, or at Pride of Detroit. I sometimes run that. I'm here with two co-host this week we've got the man the legend the rock god ryan matthews is with us hi at ryan underscore pod (laughs) (laughs) thanks for joining us again tonight ryan uh it's been a while since i've been on a sunday so i'm excited to be back true yes and we're excited to have you coming hot out of the gate already i like it um and with us is our social media manager writer also, frequent podcast guest, John Whitaker, at Whitaker on Twitter. John, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. It's a nice, wintry Sunday night over here in uh, BC. Across the pond. That's what they say, right? In Canada? Across the... I'm not across the, the, pond. the land I'm on, pond. I'm in North America. <laughs> across the pond would be like in Europe. <laughs> I, I'm joking. Uh, all right. Before we get into... Well, let, let's do a rundown of what we're going to tackle today um we're going to continue talking about the the lines coaching search um part of it has ended they hired someone this week we'll get into that um but defensive coordinator remains a, a big vacancy and line time is running out because next week is the senior bowl so we'll get into um where the lines are at there what we think might happen whether anything that happened over this weekend might affect that and then we're going to talk about some free agents coming up um we're not going to talk about what the lines might be going after, but still talk about the in-house options that they have. Um, they have a lot of guys facing free agency and some important names out there. We're going to debate who should stay, who should go and all of that. And then obviously get into your questions at the end. But let's start a little bit with playoff talk because we are, we are uh, recording this live right after the Packers squeaked out a victory over the Seahawks, but it's been an interesting weekend. Um, I'm just going to go around the horn and, and we did this last week. Tell me your favorite or maybe most significant moment um, this weekend from the playoffs. Let's start with you, Ryan. Man, I think I think the biggest moment has to be the fact that Patrick Mahomes at least came out of the divisional round unscathed, and it looked like we were heading towards the Texans not playing well, but Patty Mahomes winning this weekend was probably my favorite moment of the weekend. <laughs> Just because it was kind of your last salvation of of hope 
Yeah, for me personally, <laughs> after after seeing after seeing what happened, I, I think everybody was just stunned with what happened in the Tennessee Baltimore game. Yeah, seeing the way that Baltimore, you know, even Lamar Jackson came out and said that the Ravens beat themselves, but really they just got they just got smacked in the face by a team that was ready to ready to play them. They were just they they just out game plan them. I thought so, um, but yeah, Patty Mahomes coming back. You know what? However many unanswered points is awesome. Yeah. I think it was twenty. Was it twenty four? Twenty four nothing to start, yeah. and then they scored the next what forty yeah. some well, points the, or something. <laughs> the, the Falcons game in the Super Bowl was twenty five points, right? Because it was twenty eight three. But that yeah. was in like the third quarter. So, like, I'll give them a bit of you know a leeway. But when you're crushing a team like the Texans, where you you can't give up that many points, like it just totally fell apart. And over the course of like what that was like five minutes at the end of the second quarter. Yeah. It it was amazing how quickly that all fell apart for Houston. Nothing like we've really ever seen. I don't think like you (laughs) you bring up the Super Bowl, but I mean, that was incredible. We all went from, Oh my God, it's happening. It's happening again to, Oh no, we forgot the chiefs are actually good and they've been doing it at at a high level for years instead of, I'm not going to say that the Ravens are a flash in the pan, but they had a lot of young guys on that team who haven't, had a lot of experience in the playoffs. I mean, Lamar Jackson being one of them, and I'm not going to put the put that game on him necessarily, but uh, you know, I don't want to get into a QB wins thing. Poor Lamar Jackson. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think the Chiefs just kind of reminded us how, just how dominant and just how good Andy Reid is, right? Like, can we admit now that Andy Reid is good? I know he doesn't have a Super Bowl. I know his playoff success is mild, but to to keep that team together and maybe you also put some on him for for getting them in a 24 nothing hole but uh Andy Reid's one of the best coaches I think this this league has ever seen and certainly a top 3 coach in the league right now. He's in a really good position to win a Super Bowl this year because like we've been surprised by the Titans so far but you know it's another Titan that they have well, no pun intended another Titan that they have to take down in the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've answered and, every question so far though. And, and there, you know what? There isn't a team that's left in the playoffs that can keep up with Kansas City's offense. I don't think that there's anybody that can score with them. So, however, mm-hmm. you're going to beat the Chiefs, you're going to have to do it in a way that keeps the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Derrick Henry. Yep, the Titans do like to run the ball. I'd be we'll afraid. See. He's a big guy. Maybe, maybe this Thursday we'll get into some preview stuff. That'll be fun on our, on our little first bite thing. But uh, for now. Let's move on from the playoffs. Let's talk Lions. Let's talk about their coaching search. Special teams coordinator Braden Coombs is the guy who takes over at the special teams unit. Um, guy who's been in Cincinnati his entire career, played multiple roles there. He's a guy that I think is just kind of looking for a shot, and this is a this is a significant promotion for him. He's been behind, um, you know, the special teams quarter the corner that coordinator over there in in. Bengals land for for years now. Now he gets a chance to run the show himself. Um, any initial reactions from either of you guys on this hire? I know it's hard to know a lot about a special teams coordinator. I mean, how much could you tell about a Lions special teams coordinator assistant if there was one? <laughs> Probably not a lot. But um, your overall thoughts on on this guy? Let, let's start with you, Ryan. I think for me, one of the things that once I found out who the Lions had hired, did a little bit of digging to see kind of what his credentials were, how long he'd been in the league, because he looks like a fairly young guy. He's only 33 years old. So that's the mm-hmm. thing that I think is I maybe the most... 
<laughs> I think that's one of the things that stands out to you first and foremost. You see him and you're like, wow, the guy is really young. And when I found out that Zach Taylor had chosen him as one of the few coaches that he kept from Marvin Lewis's regime. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting anecdote because you don't see an awful lot of coaches who are willing to bring back coaches from a, from a previous regime when, you know, Zach Taylor, it's his first chance being a head coach, probably going to hire the guys that he wants to have on staff, similar to what the Lions did here with Patricia. Once Patricia got on staff, he hired Paul, you know, um, but the one interesting hire was, was Daryl Bevel and he was, you know, willing to take on a new offensive coordinator in Bevel eventually after the Jim Bob Cooter thing had flamed out. But I'm, I'm mildly optimistic about it because it seems like he's a guy who, like you said, Jeremy just kind of, kind of needs his shot and he's getting a chance here as the special teams coordinator. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do here, but he seems like he's a motivated guy and he seems like he has some, some experience that he brings with him. Yeah. And you, you brought up the fact that like, um, the offensive coordinator hire and, and Daryl Bevel, he kind of went outside his comfort zone, found a found a guy that's an up and comer, a guy that's you know not necessarily um, what we were expecting, not certainly not someone with direct ties with him, and it kind of makes me go back to that quote that I, I wasn't sure if it was Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia said that you know part of a rebuild isn't just rebuilding your roster, it's be rebuilding your coaching staff, and mm-hmm. you know when when the Lions hired Matt Patricia, he kind of had to hastily go about things. It was already February by the time he was in the building. Um, senior Bowl had already passed, you know, combine coming up. He had to get guys and get guys he knew, and and so it shouldn't have surprised us that he took so many guys that that had a background that he was familiar with. Now he's kind of going outside his comfort zone, and the first time we did that, he did that was Daryl Bevel, and that seemed to stick. So. Maybe there's reason to be optimistic about the rest of the hires that that are going to happen. You know, we'll see with defensive coordinator because that's kind of a special situation since it's Matt Patricia's defense that he probably still wants to run. But um, are you? D- does that make you optimistic about maybe not just this hire, John, but uh, potential future ones down the line? Um, I think so. At the same time, though, a special teams coordinator isn't usually like a really radical move. Like sure. offensive coordinators can always bring in like really crazy schemes or whatever, like what happened with Baltimore when they brought in Greg Roman. But you don't really see that. I mean, basically, uh, what the Rams from a few years back, they had quite a few trick plays on special teams. And that's really what creativity for special teams is. It's just what kind of trick plays you can do. Because realistically, most coverage units are going to be the same. I mean, the Lions this past season, they had the technique of doing those shorter kickoffs. So you don't. Maybe that's a little bit of things you can do. But I think really the biggest thing is for me, if the Lions can actually keep this core of special teams together, because I'm actually thought this team did pretty well down the stretch at the end of the season. So I was a bit surprised that they cut ties with their special teams coordinator, but you know, a lot of their core special teamers like Jalen Reeves may have been D Virgin, Miles Killebrew. They're all pretty young guys. So I think, you know, maybe they can mesh well or something and after all, I think since he had like the top ranked special teams, you know, yep, in the league, DVOA. Yep. Yeah, DVOA. So, you know, maybe there'll be some improvement there because after all this team, we've been so critical of all their penalties and whatnot over the past few years. So, you know, at this point, just be clean and I'm happy with that. Yeah. And, and I think worth, it's also worth pointing out. Yeah. The statistics you brought up there first, the Bengals were first in special teams DVOA by football outsiders. They've been in the top 10, three of the past five years. 
Darren Simmons is is the special teams coordinator over there in Cincy. He's a very highly regarded guy. He's hung around for for several um, different coaching staffs there in Cincy, and he just received an extension. So you know, if anything is rubbed off um, onto onto the Lions guy here, um, I think they're probably in good shape. But um, it's special teams. It's nothing. You really shouldn't be tipping one way or the other necessarily with excitement because it's special teams, right? If only Hamza was here, he'd be very excited. <laughs> he, he, he would be mad at me. If he was in the chat, he'd be yelling at me. Um, but let's talk about the Lions' defensive coordinator search. Um, still no word on anything at this point, which is how the Lions like to move. Um, but I want to bring up um, how the playoffs may have affected this. We don't know if the Lions are looking at any of these playoff teams, but you look at the teams that lost this weekend. There are a lot of good defensive teams that lost this weekend. Houston. Well, you know, not necessarily a great defensive effort this this weekend. Um, good defensive team. Seattle, a good mm-hmm. defensive team. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, who who lost this weekend? Uh, Vikings. Vikings, good. Another good defense. So th- there are a lot of potential good head or defensive coordinator coaches out there. Um, is there is there any of them that maybe you know? catches your eye as, as potentially a guy that maybe the Lions were waiting for, and that's why we haven't heard anything yet? I just don't think the Lions are in any rush to make a move, and I don't know why they'd be hard-pressed to hire a defensive coordinator, coordinator at this point because of what you had mentioned. It's Matt Patricia's show. He's He is the guy who is running the defense, I think, and <clears throat> I'm I'm not even entirely sure how much the needle moves for any kind of defensive coordinator they bring in because they have a defensive minded defensive oriented or orientated head coach. So I'm just happy that the lions don't have to bring Josh McDaniels in for any interviews to just make themselves <laughs> the laughing stock of the NFL. If you're bringing that guy in, in your building, into your facilities, your organization is a clown show. So the fact that the Browns were even entertaining that as an, as, as an opportunity for them just shows how far, of a schism there is between a, an organization like the Lions and the Browns. And that's nice to know at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not the Browns that, that could be like the subtitle of the Lions. At least we're not the Browns. We're not Cleveland. Sell t-shirts with that on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there, nothing, nothing really for me. I, I'm, 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 yeah, sure. I'm excited to see who the Lions are going to hire as their defensive coordinator because maybe we can glean some things from that. But I, I, I just don't think anything really has any teeth to it. Well, I, I think part of the well, two points on that. One, I think there is a, at least a little bit of a hurry here because they want to have some semblance of a staff in place by the Senior Bowl. I think they could probably last without it i don't i honestly don't know how it would work if they didn't have a full staff there they probably don't they're probably not literally bringing their entire staff there for for a a week of senior bowl but if they don't have everyone in place it would be awkward right couldn't couldn't they just have like a positional coach like a defensive line coach coach. really matters that much obviously it's more important about scouting right so right get your scouts there and i think that's good enough um and I think I think the other thing is that a bunch of the coaches that suddenly became available don't necessarily have um, a, a run similar defenses. Like even Houston, you'd think Bill O'Brien, maybe there's some Patriots connections there, but the Texans defense isn't really all that like what what the Lions run either. So I'll throw out some names here to maybe just keep an eye on. But 
Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you that I'm not sure that any of the guys that just became available are, are, are the guy. Um, one guy to consider is Andre Patterson. He's been the defensive line coach for the Vikings for five years now. Um, he, he's got strong Zimmer ties, so he might not want to leave Minnesota, but obviously a promotion from D-line coach to the defensive coordinator is a pretty significant jump. And you have to, you have to say the Vikings defensive line has been pretty damn good for the past five years and, and longer. So um, he appears to be doing his job pretty well. Uh, John, is there, is there anyone you're looking at from this group of coaches that suddenly became available? Um, so the thing with, for me, in my opinion, when it comes to looking at coaches is that all the big names really are, uh, coaches who are with good teams. So like some teams, like you mentioned before, like the Ravens, for example, um, a lot of people were interested in like 49ers coaches. Right. And for me, it's tough to really decide how much of an impact the coach itself is having. Like, for example, the 49ers, they have a really good set of linebackers. But is that because linebackers are really good or they have a really good coach, right? It's kind of hard to balance that. I think it's one thing you have to take a gamble when you, you know, hire a someone as a defensive coordinator who hasn't already been a defensive coordinator in the league. But at the same time, you know, it's proven success, right? So I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know too many of the candidates that well, just because there's such a wide variety. And I honestly don't even know what direction um, the line's going to go in because they kind of went off the board with someone like Pasqualoni, right? He yeah. was he was basically a puppet for Matt Patricia. So we'll see if they kind of get someone who will actually like butt heads with him. You know, maybe there'll be some creative conflict or, you know, it'll just be a, another yes man or something. So who knows? All right, before we head to our first break, uh, I want to talk about this because it's kind of been a, a hot topic since the Titans pulled off the uh, unlikely upset in the divisional round. Mike Vrabel is a guy that the Lions interviewed for their head coaching position two years ago. Now he's the hot, you know, he's all the hot stuff. He's, he's turned the Titans around in a couple of years. Um, how much buyer's remorse do you have right now? And obviously we're, we're working with hindsight. I think most people were in favor of the Patricia wouldn't hire when it happened. Mike Vrabel is kind of viewed as a young guy who doesn't have a ton of experience coaching. Um, how much, do you, how much buyer's remorse do you have right now? And how much do you blame the Lions for the decision that they made? It's, uh, you know, buyer's remorse, as you say, is always going to be hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, the Lions have only gotten worse under Patricia. Like, you can't tell me the team has been better under Patricia than they have been under Jim Caldwell. Like, I don't think Jim Caldwell could have pushed them much further than the record they already had. But this team's taken a lot of steps backwards. Now, the thing is, this has also come with a huge scheme change. You know, we've seen a lot of new faces on offense and defense. So, like, I'll give them a bit of slack. And also this year was, I would say, I don't know what the stats are, but it seems like the Lions had a lot of injuries. But, you know, I looking at some of the coaches, I think, uh, what, there were about six or seven coaches hired when Patricia was hired. And I think three of them already have, like, playoff appearances or playoff victories. The other two have been fired. And then the last one is Matt Patricia. So it's, uh, you know, you got what you got. You you stick with them for one more year at least and then see what happens. Ryan, how how salty are you about Vrabel's success? I'm a little salty about it. I'm not very salty. I'm not spilling it on the counter salty, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little miffed by it. And I think primarily just because there hasn't been anything that Patricia's done that I've really enjoyed. (laughs) But at least like Vrabel seems like he has 
a personality <laughs> that I would enjoy. Like Patricia just seems like an overall curmudgeon. Yeah. And if we talk about football wise, yes, Vrabel's put to back. He's, he's put together back to back nine and seven seasons. And that's something that Bob Quinn said that the lions were going to get past. And that's why obviously the team moved on from Jim Caldwell. But I think one of the most impressive things about last year to this year for the Titans and for Vrabel specifically is he lost his offensive coordinator. His offensive coordinator is in the NFC championship game, head coaching the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. But the Titans offense last year scored 310 points. This year they scored 402 points. So, I mean, this is a guy who was not only able to weather the storm of a coordinator change after just one season, so had to you know, completely throw things back into flux. But he was a guy who landed back on his feet and he has his team playing in the AFC championship game. So yeah, I'm pretty salty. So what I'm hearing basically is you're upset that Matt Patricia hasn't vowed to cut off his penis for a Super Bowl performance or appearance. Is that um, what you're saying? You, you know, I didn't say that, but I did say that Vrabel has a personality. That I was read the between the lines there. I read that was the, the P word there. you heard. You heard personality. I think you misheard me. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we're going to talk free agency. The Lions have a lot of free agents to be. There's a lot of guys that maybe they want to bring back. Probably more that they don't. But I'm going to ask these two what they think about, let's say, about a dozen of their free agents. When we come back, free agency, it's coming. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with the PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, for all your Detroit Lions needs. Back with the second segment, it's time to talk free agency. No, we're not going to get to all of your fantasies about all the guys that the Lions are going to sign this this free agent period to to save the team all the arik armsteads that are going to come in here and fix everything no let's talk about the lines themselves because that is the first thing they have to make decisions on is the players that they want to keep the players that they want to send the players that they want to trade away although we're not going to get into that today 
we're gonna play we're gonna play a game here. I'm gonna take my first for, foray into game show hostery with a game that I call Lowball, Let Walk, or Resign. So I'm gonna throw out some names and I want you to give me the best case to either give these guys a lowball contract offer, let them walk in free agency, or do pretty much anything you can to re-sign them as long as you're not overpaying like crazy. Sound good, guys? Easy enough? Sounds like money. Okay. There's there's going to be a point system that I haven't decided yet, so make sure you're on your A-game here. What kind of prize do we we get a new car? (laughs) Yes. New car. On the line here. All right, let's start out with the one that everyone, I mean, the the main one here, and I think we can all, I'm going to answer for you guys and and throw a sub question because Graham Glasgow is is the number one free agent the Lions have and pretty much everyone outside of management appears to want to re-sign him. So my question with him isn't just low ball, let Walker re-sign, but if your answer is re-sign, give me some figures. How much are you willing to pay for Graham Glasgow to stay in Detroit? Ryan, you're first. How much am I willing to pay Graham Glasgow? Mm -hmm. I'm willing to pay him just as much as Brandon Schreff was going to get paid on the open market. But how much is that? If you're a GM, you can't foretell that. You have to know it beforehand. You have to you have to throw out a deal beforehand. Are you paying seven, eight million, ten, eleven million? All right. He's a guard. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Graham Glasgow in a vacuum, I would love to see get paid and appreciated here for being a high quality interior offensive lineman. If I'm Bob Quinn, I don't value that position because I didn't value it all season long. So I'm letting <laughs> Graham Glasgow walk. Oh, okay. So you're just throwing the curveball here. You don't even want to resign him now. Just let him walk. No, no. No, I love Graham Glasgow. He's a great offensive lineman. But if I'm thinking like Bob Quinn, and I will be Bob Quinn in this scenario, oh. I'm not offering. I'm not. I, yes, I will offer myself up as being surrogate Bob Quinn right now. I believe. I believe people call that playing heel. Is that right? Oh my gosh, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah, Graham Glasgow. Thanks for your services. All right, John. Be the voice of reason here. How much are you okay. paying Graham Glasgow this year? So, breaking news, Bob Quinn has been fired, and I have been hired in his <laughs> Now, the first thing I'm doing is throwing a lot of cash at Graham Glasgow because he is a damn good guard. So I actually have some figures for you. Let's in the past, him. Lions let Larry Warford, very good guard at the mm-hmm. time, walk, and he signed a four-year, $34 million contract with the Saints. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, you know, inflation and whatnot of the NFL – Last year, uh, Roger Saffold signed with the Rams for $44 million. I'm gonna, I would throw about a four year, 40 mil contract at Glasgow and see what happens. The thing is, I just don't know what kind of interest he's gonna have on the free agent market. Like, I think, as I said, he's a really good guard. Uh, he was honestly probably our most consistent offensive lineman on the season when he wasn't being rotated in and out. So I think you definitely want to bring him back, but for some reason they don't. I don't know. Um, so yeah, basically you, I'd give him that and I wouldn't really offer that much more just because like at this point, the lions do have a lot of holes on defense and I'd like to see some money spent there. Um, I think the one point that Ryan probably should have brought up as letting him walk is that he does offer an opportunity for the Lions to get a, a compensatory pick in 2020 or 2021. 
And for that, I'm docking you 69 points. All right, let's move on to Mike Daniels. Are you letting Mike Daniels low ball? Are you throwing him a low ball offer? Or are you letting him walk? Or are you re-signing him? This time, John, you're get, you get to go first. You have to lowball him because this was just an injury-filled season. And this was kind of the thing that we feared is that the Packers basically just let him walk for free. And they kind of did this with TJ Lang before. It's like they cut ties with guys just before they break down. So we'll see how much he has left in the tank. But, you know, realistically, if you can maybe throw him like, I, I don't even know what would be a decent contract. Like, let's say, I don't know, $1 million contract. Is that, I don't know. The thing is, there's a lot of potential with him. And the Lions need that pass rushing defensive tackle. He's basically a good fit for this team. But at the same time, you know, how dependable is he? Is he just equivalent to burning cash? You know, there's a lot of interesting names you can look at in the upcoming draft or free agency. So I think realistically, I would still send him a low offer, but I would, you know, fully expect to have either a replacement or like a suitable 1A, 1B to him. Ryan slash Bob, what are you doing with Mike Daniels? <laughs> well, I'm going to piggyback on what John said, and I'm going to say that you lowball him. And the reason why you lowball him is he hasn't played a full season since 2016. 2017, he did play in 14 games, but in 2018, his last year in Green Bay, in Green Bay, only played 10 games, dealt, dealt with the foot injury, comes to Detroit. I think people were expecting a lot more than what they got out of Mike Daniels, but as I always say, the greatest ability is availability, and the Lions just need dependability also along that defensive line. And if if, if you can't suit up on game day, then I don't know what what you can do for this Lions defensive line because they're going to need contributors. We talked about it on the podcast last or earlier in the week um, or our mid podcast or our, our midweek podcast, but we talked about maybe Ashawn Robinson's gone. Maybe Mike Daniels is gone. Deshaun hand is somebody who can't stay healthy. The lions need contributors on their defensive line. They need guys that they can count on. And Mike Daniels is not one of those guys. Totally fair to lowball him though. And, and to try to go after somebody who you can maybe get some good production on. Um, but for, for a cheaper deal. Fair point. I'm going to give Ryan plus 6.9 points for uh, for bringing up the point that he hasn't played a full season in, in four years. That should be concerning. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about Jeff Driscoll, who played, what, two games before getting injured this season? Two or three? Oh, three, actually. Um, he's a free agent. David Blau remains signed. Obviously, Matthew Stafford signed for a couple of years. Ryan slash Bob Quinn. What is the plan with Jeff Driscoll? Do we see him in a Lions uniform next year? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) A year in which the backup quarterback actually mattered for the first time in almost a decade. You say, I don't care to the Lions backup situation? Hold on. The backup quarterback position means a whole lot to me. However, if you're going to stock your cupboard full of ramen noodles, then I'm not interested in eating. (laughs) You just want Josh Johnson back. Just say it. (laughs) Uh, Can they find a way to get Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, he only signed a one-year deal in New Orleans. He's available. He's available. But legitimately, there's no... I mean, is, is there a difference between replacement level backup quarterback X and Jeff Driscoll. I don't think so. So, so that sounds like a let walk boy. Bye. Okay. We've moved on from, uh, don't say it. I'm not, you know, I won't. 
You all know what I was getting at. I'm, I'm just not going to make the Friday reference. We don't need to see it. Uh, John, what's your thoughts on Jeff Driscoll? Um, I think basically you bring him back on the uh, expectation that there's a backup quarterback battle. Now, I think this will probably be Driscoll. This will probably be Blau. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions bring in either another free agent guy or a youngster. Because at this point, with backups, you're looking for one thing. You're looking for someone who can salvage your season, which I think is something that Driscoll could potentially do because I think he actually played decently in the games that he played. Obviously, that injury kind of you know ruined our expectations of what was going to happen, and we saw David Blau. David Blau is isn't going to be the dude. He's nothing going to be. He's never going to be anything more than a game manager. But um, I think really what's the bigger value is you want to look for a youngster that you can maybe develop behind Matthew Stafford. Now, things Jeff Driscoll is going to be 27 by next season, so he's still plenty young, but really you can't offer him more than just like whatever, like a bare minimum contract is. Fair. All right, I'm going to give 96 points to John because he cared about the answer. Uh, let's move on. Stick on the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about Danny Amendola, who is currently spending the offseason getting into shenanigans with his former Patriots wide receiver. Uh, Danny Amendola. He is Danny Amendola. Julian Edelman, who is jumping on top of cars. I wasn't sure if that was him or not. I believe it was. Uh, But Danny Amendola obviously coming off a pretty good season in Detroit, almost a career season for him. So for that reason, John, are you lowballing him? Are you letting him walk? Are you just re-signing him straight up? I'm I'm going to let him walk because I think his value in free agency is going to over uh is going to be bigger than what he actually is worth to the Lions. Now, he did a very good job as that slot receiver for the Lions and you know, that's what they really missed when they got rid of Golden Tate, but I think that's something you need to address in free agency with a cheaper option or look at the draft because you can get in my opinion younger, I hate to say it, but more talented guys than Amendola. Like he's getting up there. I think he's 34. Yeah, he's he's 34 right now, so he's not exactly, you know, running on fresh treads. Ryan, do you agree? I would bring back Danny Amendola for the exact reason that the Lions signed Jesse James last season. They didn't have a wide receiver on the roster who can do what he does at the time. Now, the good thing about this is that the Lions probably aren't going to draft a wide receiver at three to compound a a what they thought was a a small problem and do an even bigger problem because I don't think that they're going to overpay in the way that they would for a la a Jesse James. I don't know. That contract still just, it just, just really sets me off. But anyways, <laughs> Amendola, I'd be willing to resign to the tune of, I don't know, five, $6 million for a season. And I would do that just because you know what you're going to get. You know that you're going to get a high quality slot receiver who if you can find an upgrade for awesome. If he, if you need him to be the reliable guy that you need him to be because injuries or because the receiver that you draft isn't ready to go right from day one. Awesome. You have that security blanket and Danny Amendola. I think that's who he is. I think that's a very valuable piece of this roster, especially when you have Kenny Galladay, you have Marvin Jones, but you don't have anybody who fills that specific role with the team and it's tough to rely on a guy to do that right out of the gate in college unless the Lions are going to spend like a day two pick on a receiver and I don't know if you can justify that 
Yeah, I think I'm I'm siding with Ryan here. I do think Amendola not only brings good value in in what he can put on the field, but he's also exactly the kind of locker room presence that they want. He's a good example for the the Lions' young receivers and Kenny Galladay. And I do think the Lions could potentially get a, a, a rookie receiver this year, so to have that guy in the locker room kind of teaching him, aiding him, I think would be a good move. So I'm going to side with Ryan on this one. Bring him back. Um, we'll give you we'll give you. 5 million points because that's how much they're going to have to sign him for. Yes, um, I'm winning now for <laughs> sure. Gerald, how about that? Uh, Larry's not li- leaving Arizona, let's be honest. Uh, let's move on to special teams here. Miles Killebrew, former fourth round pick, finally his rookie deal is done, but he just did finish a season where he led the Lions in special teams tackles. And we know how much the Lions value special teams. Low ball, let walk, or re-sign Miles Killebrew, Ryan? Low ball because he doesn't serve a purpose outside of playing special teams, which is a bummer. You remember that playoff run in 2016? Miles yep. Killebrew playing sticky coverage on tight ends. Oh, what, what we all thought was going to become, but not to discredit who he is now as a player, but he just serves a very specific role. And I think that either they can get him to play that role or they can get somebody else to play that role who had a good season with a team who is also on an expiring deal who the Lions can go then go out and sign. So. All right. He is Bob has spoken. John, what are your thoughts on Miles Kilbra? Um, I think you might as well. I think he's going to test free agency, but you might as well try to bring him back because really you're not going to be paying him more than like a million per season. And the thing is though, I would be totally okay with him leaving. Because they have some other pretty decent special teamers, as I mentioned before, like D. Virgins up there, Jalen Reeves, Mabin, uh, C.J. Moore, for example. Like he's mm-hmm. easily replaceable. So you know, at that point, it's more down to whether or not you want to have some consistency in the special teams room. So low ball and really not a cent more. Yeah, I think John, you brought up a key name there. I think C.J. Moore is a guy that they really, really like. He got a lot of playing time on special times, special teams this year in his rookie year. And, you know, he I think he provides more at the safety position of, of what they're looking for. Well, Miles is too small to be a linebacker and they've clearly not shown a lot of interest in playing him at safety. So I think CJ Moore is the key in this and why the Lions probably let him walk. So John wins that round at this point. No, we're, we have one more and then we're going to go to the lightning round. And by the way, you get a uh, you get thirty one thousand points for that one for no reason. This is the first number that came to my mind. Ashawn Robinson. This is a tough one because I think we all thought he had turned a corner last year, did not play too well this year, but with Snacks' looming possible retirement, throws a whole different cog into this machine. John, what are you doing with Ashawn Robinson? Are you lowballing him or are you just letting him walk? Or are you resigning him? Now, the thing is, him I, on, I honestly was on the uh, bandwagon that the year that what was that, 2018? was a fluke mm-hmm. because basically throughout his entire career, he's been mediocre. And then he had basically an astronomical 2018 season when they brought in snacks. And then now with snacks kind of, you know, his career is winding down. Ashawn is being basically seeing that dip in production. And he's basically back to where he was in 2016, 2017. And really at this point, I mean, he's still a super young dude, even though he looks like he's 40, but I just don't really think, 
you're going to be able to actually get that solid defensive tackle that people thought he was. I think realistically, let him test free agency because I think someone's going to look at that 2018 season and think, hmm, maybe I can get that production again. But I honestly don't think he can do that. So it raises the question, though, because we already mentioned Snacks possibly retiring. Mike Daniels, this defensive interior is pretty weak right now. Could be seeing a lot of new names. But at the same time, I don't think Robinson's there. Ryan? I think you have to bring back Ashawn Robinson. And the reason I think that you have to bring him back is because there's so much uncertainty right now. Now, acting as Bob Quinn, I have no idea what the hell Matt Patricia thinks of Ashawn Robinson. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know if he I don't know if he likes him on the team. I don't know if he doesn't like him on the team. At one point he was a healthy scratch. And then he turns around and has the season that John mentions in 2018. Next to Snacks. Last year, injuries, some other things. You know, the defensive line just didn't gel the way that everybody thought it was going to. I just think that Ashawn Robinson's a little bit better than your average defensive tackle. Now, if he's going to get paid like he's much better than an average defensive tackle, then we're going to have to obviously let him walk. But I think the Lions, in their best interest, should re-sign him just because they literally do not know what they're going into 2020 with. Yeah. You don't know if Snacks is going to be there. You can't count on Deshaun Hand being healthy. Mike Daniels is a free agent. It's just, There's too much uncertainty. Yeah. I think I'm with you, Ryan. It, it has to be a one- or two-year deal, though. Um, it oh, it's got to be a long... prove-me deal. Yeah, it's got to yeah, be a prove-me deal. And who knows if, if Ashawn's even going to accept something like that. He seems to be kind of a stubborn guy, so maybe he thinks, you know, he can... Uh, draw more than that. I don't think his play has necessarily shown that he can. He's certainly not a, a pass rusher, which is what a lot of people are looking for. It really seems to me like Ashawn's best fit is in Detroit. They're the kind of guy, and they're the kind of team that values what he can bring, which is a good run stuffer that could pen- potentially even play nose in a pinch. So I do think he has value to this team, even though the Lions haven't really shown it. And but it, it, it can't be a long term deal. It has to be like a all right. This is just if Snacks doesn't come back gives us a one-year patchwork kind of deal and and hopefully Ashawn accepts it but uh I'll, I'll give that round to ryan he gets uh 91 points for Ashawn's number all right it's lightning round time i just want an answer at this point you don't need to validate um just just shoot it low, low ball let walker resign ready okay that sounds very ready <laughs> people just so you know this is this is a podcast people can't hear you nod <laughs> I was locked in, man. It's a lightning round. Okay. okay. Go, coach. All right. Um, Ryan, you get to go first on this first one. Kenny Wiggins. Low ball. John? Low ball. Ode Abushi. John. Bok. Ryan? Low ball. Okay, so you're low ball on all the offensive guards that you can. Tavon Wilson. Ryan, they don't go. matter. They don't matter. Offensive guards don't matter. Tavon Wilson, I resign. John, I uh, resign him. Correct. Rashawn Melvin. <laughs> John, uh, walk. Ryan, these boots are made for walking, and that's just what he'll do. <laughs> this is not one. One note. Not... If Darius Slay is not a Detroit line next season, then I think you bring him back. All right, you just lost a million points because this is a lightning round and you just broke the rules. Uh, 
Jermaine Curse. We didn't get to see him this year. Ryan. Lowball? Finally. Long snapper Don Mule. You guys have 10 minutes each. Go. So back when man arose from the primordial soup. <laughs> yeah. Don Molbeck is forever. Just say the words. I need to hear them. Retire. Reese. Oh, all right. Automatic win for Ryan. And that's how you play yes. low ball. Let Walker <laughs> resign. Thanks for joining us for this round. When we come back, it's mailbag time. We answer all your questions and more when we come back. Hashtag ask POD for all your mailbag questions. You can hit us any time of the week, any day of the week. We'll check them out. We'll accumulate them and then read them off. If we don't tackle them here, there's a good chance I'll tackle them on Pride of Detroit. Well, I am pledging to do a mailbag post once a week for all of the uh, residual questions that Dogan asked from here. We were going to read reviews this week, but there's some breaking news that I feel like we should address. It's not directly Lions related, but it could be question mark. So earlier in the the day, as Ryan alluded to, I'm not sure if it was on stream or off stream, um, Stefanski, the, the Vikings offensive coordinator, is now the Browns' new head coach. <laughs> Looks like the Vikings defensive coordinator will not be hanging around either. According to Adam Schefter, Vikings defensive coordinator, George Edwards is not expected to return to Minnesota for next season per source. Now that language is probably purposely very vague. We don't know if he's getting fired. We don't know if his contract's running out. We don't know if he's found another job he wants to uh, go to or if he's retiring. But now we're talking about a Vikings team that's, I, I wouldn't say blowing blowing themselves up because they have some offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator candidates in-house. And obviously that's that's Zimmer's defense. But um, what do you think about first what this does to the Vikings going into 2022 or 2020? And then is there any chance George Edwards is on the lines list and maybe they knew this was coming? Uh, I'll go first. Um, in terms of how this impacts the Viking, it's huge because now they've lost their offensive and defensive coordinator. The question is why they lost their defensive coordinator. Did they not think he was doing a good job and it's a kind of mutual parting? Did they fire him? Did he simply want to go elsewhere? Like, there's a lot of questions because that Vikings defense was pretty good. So I think we'll see what happens in the coming days as more news comes out. Maybe someone will give an interview, say say their thoughts, whatever. But I think in terms of actually candidates for the Lions, assuming he's still interested in, in a uh, defensive coordinator position, I think Lions should be interested. They're familiar with his work. Now the Vikings are a pretty good team. They have a lot of talent there, but you know, I think it's something you might want to take a chance on. What do you think, Ryan? Is, are, is he suddenly jumping to the top of your list? 
Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who's been the defensive coordinator for the Vikings since 2014. And I, I think for a guy to stick around that long, clearly well-liked, but also at the same time, Minnesota had one of the best defenses in the NFL for how many years now? So I think that he's a guy that immediately just has to jump to the top of your list, provided he wants to be a defensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, I mean, you take a look at just in the past, since 2014, 11th in points, 5th in points, 6th in points. In 2017, when they won the division and went 13-3, and three, they had the best defense in all of football. Uh, uh, 2018, 9th in points given up. And in 2019, this this past season, fifth in points given up. So the the prospect of a highly accomplished defensive coordinator like that becoming available, I think that you have to immediately put him near the top of the resume list. What? You're laughing. You're smiling. Yeah, no, there's just someone there's someone trolling us with alerts right now. So I had to turn them off. Um, No, I think you bring up a lot of good points. The question is, is, is fit, right? Like is, is Matt Patricia willing to, I mean, the Vikings run kind of more of a four three, but just the way that they use pass rushers, the way that they use edge rushers, the way that they move them all around is certainly tempting and certainly something that this team needs. And so, yeah, having a guy like Edwards come this way would be very fun and very exciting. I just don't know if it happens. This, this news just broke. So we don't really know the the details of why he's not, going to return and, and whether he's still interested in coaching, let alone a move in division. So um, just something to kind of keep an eye on the next few days. I do kind of feel like the Lions are going to make a defensive coordinator hire this upcoming week just because the senior bowl is around the corner. So just another name to kind of throw on top of the list and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, you guys ready to get into the real mailbag, the, the nitty gritty here? I'm ready. Thank you for a vocal response, John. <laughs> thank you ryan (laughs) appreciate that uh all right let's start with uh u.s marine 0341 asks very simply what do you think this team needs to go deep in the playoffs very simple question but i think he's he's talking more on the personnel side if there's one one aspect of the game that this team needs to improve what is it to be a playoff contender uh, ooh we oh boy. Uh, I think the first and foremost, it we've been beating this dead horse for so long, but the Lions have yet to have a pass rush in mm-hmm. six seasons. So, I think that would be I think that would be something that would really push this team to being a a competitive football team into into December potentially into January, but I can't say that it's just really one area. Uh, you want to talk about, you want to talk about personnel changes that can happen, just widespread, a pass rush linebackers who are better in coverage, uh, cornerbacks who are, who are better in coverage and playing press and man. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, you'd like to see some of the things that the lions want to do on offense actually get done. Like, have a have somebody run the football and do it effectively and do it efficiently. But I, I think first and foremost, you have to take a look at that defense and you have to take a look at what makes defenses successful and it's putting pressure on the quarterback and that's what Detroit hasn't been able to do in so long. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the easy answer, and it's the right answer. I mean, look at the playoffs right now. Like, look at this weekend's games, and w- what was the kind of common denominator, maybe outside of the Chiefs, that that won these teams' games? It was pass rush. It was the Packers' pass rush forcing Russell Wilson into a lot of bad decisions, a lot of sacks. It was the same for for the 49ers, putting all sorts of pressure with basically four-man rushes. I mean, it's it's just a personnel thing, right? Getting guys that you can rush four men because it's clear the Lions don't want to put more than four guys uh, in that role at a time. Just get some pass rushers. It can really cover up a lot of mistakes. It can create so many negative plays for the opposing offenses that it puts them in a rut and and puts your your secondary, which I still remain is fairly talented on this team, um, in some good p- positions to make plays where they weren't at all this year. You agree, John? Yeah, I really don't have anything else to say. I mean, I think if I had to give another answer, I would say the linebacker play, a linebacker play needs to improve. But really, that's just kind of a more of the entire defense in general playing better. And once again, that's where pass rush comes into play because it's so important for basically every position. When the quarterbacks don't have time to throw the ball, they make mistakes. It makes coverage much tighter. Like there was that really good graph from PFF where it was um, it was time to throw versus I think like number of defenders rushed, yeah. and like the lines were all on their lonesome with a lot of time and very few people rushed. Yep. And like that's not a recipe for success. Lines <laughs> got all season because of that. Yeah, Jeremy, real quick, the one thing that you did say is something I think a lot of Lions fans need to keep in mind during the offseason. Just because it's the easy answer doesn't mean that it's the wrong answer. Like, you don't have to turn this into some kind of, like, you know, four-dimensional chess. Like, the Lions don't have a pass rush. They should fix that, period. Yeah. Yep, and it feels like it's been that way for a while now, basically since Sue left, but what do you do? Uh, all right, let's move on to a, a agonized. question. <laughs> agonize. Agonize. That's that's what we do. Chris Perfett from Twitter. Um, thanks, thanks for the follow, Chris. Um, asks what is bitch? the what is the best bad party you've experienced in your life? Ryan, I feel like you're gonna have a good answer, but I want you to think about it. John, do you have an answer for this? Um, I'm really not much of a party guy. I have, I think probably the most notable one, I would say bad experience. Um, it was Halloween. I was in high school. Uh, we were going to someone's birth, um, not someone's birthday party, someone's Halloween party. And like, as I said, I'm not a very big party guy, so I wasn't really keen on going, but I was going because my friends were there. So I, I waltz up to the house, I open the door and basically right in front of me, someone throws up and I'm just like, I don't feel like going. And I just went home. <laughs> Just a tone setter throw up. Nope, I'm gone. Yeah. I like it. No thanks. All right, I'm going to give you more time to think about it, Ryan, because I'm going to tell a quick story as well. This was in college. A buddy of mine was in town. We went to a house party. He brought one of his friends around. And no, it's not that story, Harry. Uh, his friend was kind of a wild card. I hadn't really known him at all. He immediately tries to steal a fifth from the place. And I have to like, I have to immediately go into like save ourselves mode because I'm, I'm also a little inebriated at this point and we're, we're in danger of not only getting kicked out, but the cops being called on us. Then I get to a point where I'm too far gone and this wild card 
hands me a frozen pizza out of their freezer and I just grab it and throw it off their balcony. <laughs> and then we get thrown out. It's like the breaking bed <laughs> scene where he throws the pizza on the roof. It's, yes. it's basically like a frisbee at that point. Ryan, I've I've built you up at this point, so please don't disappoint me. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Oh, come on. All right, you're a teacher. I get it. We're not gonna we're not gonna say anything. I'm I'm letting you off the hook here, but you gotta bring it the rest of the mailbag, okay? Yeah, I it over. It was inspired by his journeys. All right, if you, you need it. a bad party story, just go back and listen to the Poon Takata episode. Oh, How about that? that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> All right. Here's to Hopeful asks, how much is the coaching search being impacted by Quinn and Patricia being on thin ice? Are there any coaches that would turn down this job because it might just be a one-year thing? I think this is a really interesting question. I've seen some people bring this point up. Do you think that's impacting potential People who want to come as a defensive coordinator, knowing that these guys are on a short leash and they might be finding a job again next year. I think if you're, I think if you're a coordinator who's looking for an opportunity, or if you're a position coach who's looking for an opportunity to make that jump to defensive coordinator, I think that's something you definitely have to take under consideration for sure. I think mm-hmm. if you're somebody like George Edwards who has been a defensive coordinator now for however many seasons with Minnesota, to get a chance to do it in Detroit. I mean, the, there will still be positions for you. And for as much as I want to say that, yes, maybe if you're a position coach and you're looking to make the move to Detroit and you're worried about it only being a one-year stop, Josh McDaniels still exists. So, <laughs> as, long as, jo- as long as Josh McDaniels exists, there is job opportunities for people. That's all I can say. <laughs> John, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, interesting I'm idea? kind of in the same boat where obviously if you're a young up and coming coach, you take whatever opportunities you can get. Yeah. But as Ryan basically hinted, if you're an experienced defensive coordinator, that's probably going to be, you know, kind of a sour note for you. You don't necessarily want to go into, a, you know, a risky situation, but at the same time, even if Patricia gets fired, you might not necessarily get fired. Now, there's also the question that the fact um, Patricia is very defense orientated. So it remains to be seen how, you know, controlling he's going to be over those coaches. Like they haven't come out and said it, but we basically know that he was really controlling that defense over Pasqualoni. And we'll see if he actually gives a bit more control to whoever takes over. All good points. All good points. Let's move on to a new question. We just turned over a decade. So preseason champs asks, Name the top three and the bottom three free agent signings from the past decade for the Lions. Well, how about we all each answer one of each instead of you each give your, your top three. That sounds so good. let's start with a, your, a, a top one. John, what's, what is one of the top free agent signings the Lions have had over the past decade? Um, we're, um, we're not including like re-signings, right? No, not re-signings. Just okay. yeah, free agents. Um. You know, I have to go with Golden Tate. Mm-hmm. He, he was already pretty good in Seattle, but he was he was basically dynamic with Matthew Stafford. Even now, they still miss him. Plus, they got a third-round pick out of letting him go. Turned into Will Harris, but we'll see. <laughs> Ryan, give me another one. 
Arvin Jones, I don't want to stick with wide receivers, but how could you not how could you not include him? I think he was just a huge get, especially when you consider the contract that Bob Quinn signed him for. When you think about the type of value you got for for a guy like Marvin Jones, I think you have to include him in the top three signings. Yeah, he's definitely uh, you know, you look at his contract now and it's quite a value pick, but uh, Nick Coscarelli in our chat gives us the third answer and it's the absolute right answer. And I think it's probably the number one on my list and that's Glover Quinn. Um, oh, guy who yeah. was a relative unknown at the time, guy who had just transitioned from corner to safety. The Lions found him out of nowhere, signed him to a very reasonable deal and got what five good years out of him, including one year in which he was the interceptions leader, uh, a pro bowler, uh, probably should have been an all pro a guy that was underrated his entire career and a classy dude, very easy guy to like. Um, yeah, it's got to be him. And and maybe Trey Flowers makes a list of some of our chat saying right now, but not yet. I don't think. I don't think you can say him out, put him on the can, list quite yet. Could I, could I give one honorary answer too? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll allow it. Matt Prater. Hmm. It's interesting because I don't even know. Well, I guess he uh, he was a free agent, but it wasn't during yeah, a free agency. He got, he got released by the Broncos because they he was suspended for I think four games for like substance abuse, and they decided to go with um, Brandon McManus instead. And that was perfect timing for us because <clears> we <throat> had a freeze Terry uh, sure. show. Lock. But since you broke the rules, Ryan, I'm subtracting a million points from the previous game. So what the heck? Well, fine. Then I'm going to throw out <laughs> another name that we didn't acknowledge. But Stephen Tullock too probably deserves consideration. Yeah, fair. I uh, I'll I throw out another name too. Um, what is going on? I still think it's it's very early, but I think you know when all is said and done, I think Trey Flowers could be a very good signing for the Lions. We'll see. It's true. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. All right, let's let's switch it over. What are some of the worst free agent signings? Of the past decade. I think we all have an idea as to what this is going to be. It's going to be a race to see who answers first. <laughs> Jump in there. Who who wants it? Go ahead, John. Go you take the low-hanging fruit. Me? You want me to do it? Yeah, go I ahead. Okay, well, it has to be Jesse James, right? Like, that's... Uh, this was, like, an awful season. Like, they got better production out of Levine Toilolo last year. It's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty <laughs> bad. It's uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, very often either. Like when he was on the field, he was bad, right? Yeah, not good. Uh, yeah, I, I the, the jury is still out. Maybe, maybe now that he's settled in and realized that he has T.J. Hawkinson in there, you know, as Bob Quinn said, it's tough. It's tough to come in there and and make an impact when when you sign uh when you draft a guy eighth overall. I don't know why you would decide to do both, but you know, no, I don't know. It's a bad signing. It's a bad signing. Ryan, give me another one. Um, oh boy, I hate to do this, but what? What? what Cornelius Washington? You took mine. I didn't think anyone was going to remember that one. How could you? <laughs> that one, how, how could you not? I mean, I bleached just it. Sorry. Not, not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to stick with the defensive line, and I believe it was the same free agency class. It was. I'll say Akeem Spence. Ooh. They gave that man three years and ten and a half million, and did he see the second year of that? I don't know if he did. The um, lines had a lot of swings and misses on the defensive line. Akeem Spence, Cornelius Washington, 
uh, Sylvester Williams oh. was one who he got cut yeah. before, right? I don't think he even played for. Uh, I don't think maybe. Um, but yeah, there's Bob Quinn, and I, that's honestly I don't remember the free agent classes before I Bob Quinn. Other names, so this might be kind of a hot take, mm-hmm. but I think the Rick Wagner signing wasn't great. I think he got paid like a top tackle, and he really hasn't been that. He's been decent, but. Yeah. It's a lot of money for him, and he is a possible cap casualty this year. And one that uh, it was only for one year, but wow, what a year! Like Garrett Blunt, yikes, <laughs> yikes! That was probably one of the worst. Like this is saying something. That's probably like the worst like season from a Detroit Lions running back in in a while. I'm going to throw two recent names out here and tell me if it's fair or not fair because injuries impacted both these signings. But Mike Daniels and TJ Lang. It's it's tough because, as you said, injuries impacted it. Like, I think at the time, you know, they were good signings. And I wouldn't even say that, you know, someone like TJ Lang, I don't think was a bad sign. Like, he, he um he made the Pro Bowl with the Lions, right? TJ Lang technically didn't make the Pro Bowl with the Lions. That is true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something. But I don't know. As I said earlier in the podcast, the Lions, I'm not the Lions, the Packers have, like, a really good idea of when their guys are breaking down. But at the same time, I don't fault the lions for, you know, bringing him in because I think this was the year when they let Larry Warford walk. Uh, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lang was one of the better starters you can get. And I don't think they've been that burdened by his contract. I think they've been okay. All right, let's move on to a new question. Um, this one comes from Tyler Busted or at Ghana. Ganor Fagorf. I don't know what that means. Uh, he says, hashtag SPOD, surprise. A wild genie appears and gives you a choice. The Lions are guaranteed to host a playoff game and win next year, but you can never eat desserts for the rest of your life. Do you do it? God, no. I love dessert. <laughs> for the rest of my life, I'm not allowed to eat dessert. Just for one home playoff win next year. No. If, if you were talking Super Bowl, you know, maybe I'd think about it. But the, the question is, what qualifies as dessert? Is ice cream a dessert? Because technically, you don't have to eat it after a meal. You can just eat it whenever. Technically, sad. you can eat whatever you want whenever you want, John. Yeah. You're an adult. I know but you like, don't look like it, but you're an adult. <laughs> chocolate, for example. Is that dessert? Yes. I mean. Any sweets, I would say. Yeah, any sweets. Any, any sweets? No. But like, if I couldn't eat something like cake. Okay, let's change the question. Let's change it to Super Bowl because I feel like that's like higher stakes. Everyone is changing rules on me. I have lost control as a host. (laughs) You are an interim head coach. (laughs) Like if I had to choose between the Lions winning the Super Bowl and never eating cake, I would choose the Super Bowl. But like if it was just like any sort of like sweets in general, like no way. Hold on. I'm choosing between the Lions winning a playoff game and gummy bears. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Gummy bears. I'm not sure you are an adult if you're still eating gummy bears. <clears throat> I am a gummy bear connoisseur. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I'm like, listen, I love the lions. I love the lions more than most people, but you're talking about my personal life for, I mean, and yeah, this is one playoff. It's going to happen eventually. No donuts. Sure. You can't have donuts. Yeah, Those are no, desserts. I'm, no, give me donuts forever. If I can't go to Parmenter's and get myself, Spice donuts and apple cider. 
I'm going to be angry every year if that happens. I'm going to be spite. I'm going to be spiteful because if that like if I have to give up all that and all I get is a playoff win and nothing further, I'm going to hate the Lions. Yeah. It's going to turn what, into uh, hate. Sorry, uh, wait, was the question playoff win or playoff appearance? It's a home playoff game what? and win. We see. See, this question's worded poorly. Lions are guaranteed to host a playoff game and win next year. So what? We'll host a playoff game, but watch it. It's just talking about we'll win a game. Yes. Yeah, that's like the monkey's paw thing. Hold on, <laughs> but is it next year? What happened in '91 could exactly happen again. The Lions beat the Cowboys at home, and then they get washed by Washington right, in right. the NFC Championship game. Do you think I'm giving up dessert for that? I can't eat another <laughs> lemon meringue pie because I had to watch the Lions get washed in the NFC Championship game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> asinine. Uh, all right, we have a spinoff question from chat, and this is obviously directed towards the child of the group, Ryan. Um, is Haribo the best gummy bear? Have you had Gordon Food Service gummies? Whoa, hold on. How are you about to bring out the GFS bears right now in the chat? All right, yep. If you know about Gordon Food Service bears, then you are a gummy bear connoisseur. They come in a plastic container. They have a seal on them. I will say another way that you can eat them is um, by adding adult beverages into the said plastic container and turning the gummy bears into a, a nice little treat. But no, Haribo is up there, but it's not even, it's probably like fourth or fifth for me. Albanese is definitely up there. Albanese comes first, uh, all their distinct flavors. Gordon food service is a, is a surefire number two. Um, are we getting a gummy bears list cast unannounced? I can't you know, name a gummy John, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what Gordon Food Services is. I would put Sour Patch Kids number one and everything else at number three hundred. God, I miss Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. Unless Chad comes up with something better, critical perspective from Pride Detroit asks: Hypothetical, the Lions fold. How would their roster be selected in a hypothetical draft? Their their roster gets put into a draft. Who gets? let's name the top five picks, but he also wants to include uh, the current contracts into your, so they keep their current contracts that has to figure into your, your equation here. Mm, Okay. Well, it depends on who's picking first, because if the bears are picking first, they're taking (laughs) Matt Prater. Whoa. (laughs) You you took the wrong Matt, I think for the bears. Oh, no, no, no. You know the Bears would 100% think, no, we just need a kicker to fix all of our problems. Um, but yeah, Matthew Stafford goes first, right? Matthew Stafford yeah, is the first Even pick. with the contract. And let's, let's, be on, let's be honest. Once Patrick Mahomes gets his contract extension this year, everyone is, is going to look at that Matthew Stafford contract for the next three years and be like, hmm, good deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh I don't know if we can necessarily put them all in order, but let's just get five names. Matthew Stafford's one of them. Darius mm-hmm. Slay's another name, I think. Uh, probably Kenny Galladay. Yep. Ooh, Kenny, Kenny Galladay. Galladay. Yeah. Kenny Galladay mm-hmm. might be my number two if we were actually ranking them. It's a tricky one, though, because he's only got one year left on his deal, and he's about to get paid. Yeah. That is true. Um, Whereas Darius Slay's about to be 30. Or he just turned yeah, 29. Uh, Frank, Frank Ragnow. Frank Ragnarok is a good one. Top five pick is a little steep, but I, I, I 
throw in Hawkinson too, just because that's future value for you. And you already got his bad rookie season out of the way. So smooth sailing, Hall of Fame career. Oh, brother. What about Graham Glasgow? Well, he's not a Detroit Lion. <laughs> he is until the next year, all right? It still isn't the next year, technically. Uh, um, oh, so that's four, right? That's, yeah, four ish. Sta- Stafford, Galladay, Ragnow, Slay. Now, the question is would you say someone like Marvin Jones? I don't know. That also comes into the contract question. But like, who Flowers? else on defense would you? Oh, Trey Flowers. Why are we freaking this? Trey Flowers, but that's also an expensive con. I mean, def- edge rushers are big, so Trey Flowers or, has got to be in the top five. I think defensive lineman. I think that's a fair price. I think we got to talk Tracy Walker at least a little bit because you got him on a rookie deal. He's playing pretty well. Rookie deal for two more years. That's fair. Mm. Could yeah. Could, we, could I could I not could I nominate one other name? Yes. The third um, overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Well, that's probably that would probably nope, be like rules again. Not a Detroit <laughs> Lion yet. <laughs> I know. Uh, you're, you now put, you're both disqualified for round you rank, two. Where would you rank Carry on Johnson on that? Because I think he's very talented, but the injuries are concerning. Do you know? I, I think if you ask if you ask this question a year ago on this date, I would put Carry on Johnson in the top five without even blinking an eye. But yeah. now I don't know if he's even in my top 10. He's got to be in the top 10, but I think the the rest of that I agree with. You, I don't I mean, know running, backs, running backs already have a short shelf life and, you know, are, are one of the most beat up positions. And you're going to tell me an undersized guy who hasn't played more than 10 games in a season is, is going to be a top five player picked off your roster? I don't know. Nick Coscarelli is yelling for Taylor Decker in our chat. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, he'd be number six. Tackles are yeah, valuable, though, seven. man. I think, I, I think I'd put him at seven because I think I would go Marvin Jones and then... Actually, wait. Yeah, Marvin Jones and then I think Decker. I think it's I'd just put Decker above Marvin Jones. I'm Marvin Jones is towards the twilight of his career. I don't think he's going to be as effective anywhere else either because he's got a top five quarterback throwing to him right now. Oh boy, it's really wild the difference a year can make because Damon Harrison would be in my top five if we were doing this last year too. Yeah, that's a good point. We didn't even bring him up after. But I mean, as soon as I said this on previous podcasts, as soon as the word retirement comes out of his mouth, you know, time's limited. Whether 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 it's he retires this year or next year, like he's on he's on rented time at this point. Yeah, the alarm bell is flashing. I'm afraid and like the the interview that he had when he was basically in tears like that's a guy who has a very big decision ahead of him the lines need to prepare for that yep all right we got one more question from chat and since he highlighted it using these little chat points i'm gonna i'm gonna address it cleefson asks if the season is going downhill again next year do we trade stafford for a haul and make a run at the first overall pick Trevor Lawrence in 2021. That's it for the podcast, everybody. Thanks for joining oh, us. Oh, we didn't have time for that one. Shucks. Be sure to tune into us next week. We'll have a midweek podcast again on Wednesday or Thursday. We're, we're not sure yet. And then we're always here 8 p.m. Eastern on Sundays live at twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Until then, 
we'll see Bayside, Seaside, the end. <laughs>